And so what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks and we'll talk about today are just some foundational things to help make sure that your family is set up for success in life and spiritually in your relationship with God. It doesn't matter what stage your family's in, whether you've got young children, teenagers, kids in college, you're newlyweds with no kids at all, maybe the kids are out of the house and you're empty nesters. Look, the family dynamics don't change, okay? The seasons change, but you're still family. And the foundation that our family operates on is incredibly important. It's incredibly important. Uh, There's a guy one time that said that the Word of God is so important because it gives us a true north for life. It lets us know no matter what happens, it lets us see where true north always is. So we can always find our way and stay on track. I like to add a little bit to that, though, because the Bible is more than just something that points true north like a compass would to give you direction. A compass is always going to tell you where north is, where south is, east and west, you know. Um, but the Bible does more than that. Because just knowing where true north is is great, but a compass can't tell you what you're going to have to go through to get from where you are to where you're going. It can tell you where north is, but it can't tell you about the rivers you're going to have to cross on the way there. It can't tell you about the swamps that you're going to have to walk through and trudge through on the way there. It can't tell you about the wildlife you're going to encounter. It can't tell you about the car trouble that you're going to have. It can't tell you about the storms and the weather and the resistance and the opposition that you're going to face. It can only tell you where north is. I'm grateful that God didn't just give us a book to tell us where north was. I'm grateful that he gave us a book that not only does that, but it prepares us and equips us to deal with everything that we're going to face in life. It tells us how to navigate the rivers. It tells us how to navigate the storms. It tells us how to navigate all the issues and the, and the seasons that we're going to face in life because God didn't just want to give us a rule book. He gave us something to equip us so that we could not just get through this world, but we could be what the Bible calls more than conquerors in this life through Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm so excited that he gave us his word for that purpose. And so... We've got to make sure that we're building our families on the foundation of the Word of God because it gives us all the answers that we need for all the situations that we're going to face in life and as family. Because, you know, sometimes you face issues as family. I don't know how it works in your family. My family, we deal with issues sometimes. And probably one of the most common issues that you're going to face as a family is conflict. Dealing with conflict how to get along with those people that you're around, sometimes 24-7, almost 365, especially in quarantine. Um, how to get along with those people that, that you love, that you're very familiar with, but sometimes they've got a different point of view than you. Sometimes conflict and friction in the home becomes a very common problem. The good news is the Bible speaks to that, though. Okay, and it's going to tell us how to navigate that. So today we're going to look at how to deal with conflict. How many of y'all have ever had a fight with your mom or your dad at any point? How many of you have ever had a fight with your husband or your wife? Yeah, me too. How many of you have ever had a fight with your in-laws? Oh, snap. Man, see, conflict is there. The family dynamic is just the perfect breeding ground sometimes for conflict. But you can navigate that in a biblically correct way and land on high ground, and make sure that you're setting yourself up in your household to have a house that's peaceful 
and respectful and operates according to the word of God. How many of y'all have ever seen the, the TV show Everybody Loves Raymond? I've, I've watched that show. I don't watch it all the time, but I see some of the episodes. It's absolute, some of the shows are hilarious, though, because they take like the family dynamic and then they just dial it up to 11 and over-exaggerate it. And so all the crazy nitpicky stuff that families would fight over, family issues that would come up, you know, they just dial in on it and harp on it, and it's absolutely hilarious. And in one of the episodes, they were dealing with, like, family conflict and, and how to resolve the, the family issues, but they were looking at it through the eyes of the kids. And in this episode, one of the kids had this assignment in school where they had to write a story about their family, and they had to read that story in front of the class and their family and all the other families that were there. So I brought a clip of this episode uh, from YouTube to show you guys today. It's absolutely hilarious. So pay attention to the screens and check out this video. <laughs> I love it. It's always fun to watch somebody else's dysfunction, isn't it? It's like, those people are crazy. But well, let's be honest. We're all a little bit crazy, right? There's just like different levels of crazy and dysfunction. I think every family is kind of dysfunctional in its own way. Uh, but I do believe, though, I do believe, though, that if we apply the principles that we're going to talk about today, it can help you cut out probably 99.9% .9 of the friction, the conflict, and the drama in your families, in your house, especially around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, all that stuff. I'm going to give you as, 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 as far as it's up to you the tools you need to have peace in the house and, more importantly, in your heart through those times, okay? Uh, before we do that, though, I, I feel like we got to go back in time because my dad taught me one time when we were working on a car, and I, I was helping him as a teenager, which means I was handing him tools while he worked on the car. It's usually how it works while he was doing Hand me that, hand me that, hand me that. Hand me a 516, not a 7. And so he, I, I give him all the tools, and he's working on the car. And, uh, and I said, Dad, how'd you learn how to, to fix all this stuff on the car? And he said something that stuck with me, like from when I was a teenager up till now, was probably like five or six years, because I'm not that old. Um, but it, it stuck with me all those years since. And he said, Son, if you understand how something operates, and how something works, it helps you to figure out what's broken and how to fix it. And I thought, wow. Even as a kid, I thought, wow, where did my dad pull that one from? You know, that's just some wisdom. And I've carried it through to today because it's incredibly true, not just in fixing stuff. If you know how something operates, it's easy to identify the issues and fix the problems. And what I want to do is go back in time a little bit and help explain and lay a foundation on how we operate and what the underlying issues are in conflict. Principles on dealing with conflict are one thing, but wouldn't it be great to live your life in such a way that conflict never occurred? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Whoo! That would be great. Now, you might not be able to have that happen because you have to interact with other people, but as far as you're concerned, we're going to give you some tools how to do that. Um, so let's go back in time. How many of y'all have ever seen the movie Wayne's World? I saw Wayne's World. What do they do when they go back in time in Wayne's World? Y'all remember? Like that. So we got to go back in time. So everybody, you got to do this with me. Don't worry. You're going to look just as dumb as a person sitting next to you when you do it, okay? 
hey, try this at home. You're going to look just as dumb as we all do here. So on the count of three, we're all going to do the Wayne's World going back in time. You ready? One, two, three. There we go. So we're going back in time. Um, the Garden of Eden, which is just about as far back as you can go. All right. right after creation, God created Adam and Eve. Made man in his image and in his likeness. Okay? Was a perfect environment. God had a perfect relationship with man. Man had a perfect relationship with God. Man had a perfect relationship with his wife. She had a perfect relationship with him. They had a perfect relationship with their environment. They were in the perfect location. Everything was perfect. You finished my sentence for me. It was perfect until we jacked stuff up. Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they sinned. And when they sinned, everything changed. All those perfect relationships, all those perfect relationships were broken. Okay? I'm going to clue you in on something this morning. We have conflict in our families because we all come from a broken family. We have conflict in our families because we all come from a broken family. Now, I'm not talking about your immediate family at home because some of you are like, amen, pastor. I know exactly what you mean. If it wasn't for my crazy cousin, we'd all be able to get along at my house. It wouldn't be, I get that. Like, sometimes your immediate family's messed up, but we all come from a broken original family. Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. When they sinned, the relationship between God and man was broken. The relationship between husbands and wives were broken. When they sinned, listen, the Bible says that God used to walk down in the Garden of Eden and just hang out with Adam and walk with him in the cool of the day. You know, they would just talk and walk and have the best time. When Adam sinned, that was broken, and Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden, leave the presence of God, and the presence of God could only be around us, not walking and hanging out and being a best friend like we have now through Jesus, but then the only way we could come into proximity with the presence of God was like through his presence being in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you touched it and you weren't purified, it would kill you. This is crazy. Or he would be with us and dwell with us in the temple, but he would be separated by this veil as his presence stayed in the Holy of Holies. Like we, that was broken. We couldn't be in his presence anymore. You know? It broke the, the relationship between Adam and Eve, like as soon as they sinned, check this out. It wasn't long before they started playing the blame game. And Adam blamed his wife for something that he did. I ate the fruit because that woman you gave me gave it to me. Boom, broken relationship. you imagine what Eve did? Oh, really? Guarantee you, Adam heard about that later on that evening in the garden. Oh, really? I gave you the fruit, did I? Okay, all right, big boy. You ate the fruit, didn't you? So it probably came back up. It destroyed the relationships in the family. One generation later, Cain and Abel got into a disagreement, got into conflict, and Cain murdered his brother because the family relationships were broken. We're broken, we're broken, we're broken. We have conflict in our homes today because we are all part of a broken family. We all came from a broken family. Make sense? Let's look at what the Bible says about this because understanding this is key to understanding why there's friction and conflict in relationships with other people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 
It says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So where is that list from that I just read you? Is it from God or from the world? It's from the world, right? It's from the world. Um, that sinful nature that we're all born with transfers over generation after generation. We all are born with the spirit of that world in us, with the standard of that world in us. And you ever heard of like the fruit of the spirit of God, you know, like the fruit of the spirit that you operate in, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, um, all those things. This would kind of be like the fruit of a worldly spirit in a person's life. The world only offers a craving for physical pleasure. Like an old school way to say this would be that you would be wrestling with um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what this is talking about here. A craving for physical pleasure. Everything that makes you feel good, you want it. A craving for everything that we see. Materialistic mindset. We want to have the things that make us look better because if we look better then somehow we'll feel better on the inside we don't realize though that dressing up the outside doesn't fix what's wrong on the inside and until we get the inside fixed the outside really isn't going to matter that much pride in our achievements and possessions this mindset the bible says is not from god it's not his will for our lives but it's from a worldly standard now what is the common thread and all three of those things that I just read you. The common thread is that it all revolves around us. It all revolves around me. It all revolves around you. We want what makes us feel good. We want what we want. We want to celebrate and be prideful about our accomplishments and what we've obtained in this world. It's all about exalting ourselves and putting ourselves first. Okay, This is key. This is very key to understanding conflict in your family and conflict with other people because James chapter 4 reads like this in verse 1. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at work within you. What are those evil desires at work within us? We just went over three of them. We want what makes us feel good. We want all the stuff that we can get. And then we want to be prideful about the stuff. We want our world to be built around us. Okay? Selfishness, self-will, all of that stuff is a result of the fall and the sin nature that we're born into. Listen, conflict comes from selfishness. Selfishness comes from our sinful nature. If we're left to ourselves without the Spirit of God to put us in check, I don't know how this works in your world, but if I don't spend time in the presence of God and I don't spend time in the Word of God and I'm not letting God grow me and correct me, I naturally become an incredibly selfish person 
Because it's on the inside of me. That desire and that nature is right there because I'm in this flesh that wants what it wants all the time. And if I do not put it in its place, it will dominate my life and begin to affect the relationships all around me because I will demand that everyone orbit around me because I am the center of the God-blessed universe. Selfishness. This is where conflict comes from because we want everyone to bend to our will, our convenience, come to me, let it be my way. And guess what? Not everybody wants to do that. Have you ever experienced an incredibly selfish person? I can promise you this. A selfish person is a person that is going to be surrounded with drama. Almost 24-7, 365. Uh, a selfish person is going to be someone who is always in conflict with somebody else. They're always fighting up with somebody else about something because they're not getting their way. Okay? Conflict in family occurs when we butt heads because one or both of us are being selfish. He's being selfish. We fight with our parents because they want us to do something, and we don't feel like doing it. It's inconvenient for us to do it. It makes us, it's not comfortable. I'd rather chill, play video games, or just, I, I'd, I'd rather be on TikTok. I'd rather, I'd better be doing anything, communicate with my friends and parents say, hey, I need you to do this. And we're selfish. And because we're selfish now, there's friction in the house, and there's a fight with the parents because of selfishness. Husbands and wives, always fighting at the core of every marital issue, you are always going to find selfishness. Causes us to butt heads. Causes us to butt heads. Every time. Now, it's important to understand that, okay? Because people do what they do because that's where they are spiritually in their life. And when people are selfish, it's because, hey, here, here's a big one. Are you ready for this? This will change your world. When people act selfish, you know why they do it? Because they're selfish. And naturally, that's who we are, and that's what we are. Okay? You've got to understand that because if you're not careful, you will identify the problem in your home with the person and not the spiritual principle that's in play behind it, okay? You've got to address the spiritual in order to see a change in the physical. All the conflict that's happening in homes, all the conflict that happens in, in relationships, there is a spiritual principle at play here. And until you address that, nothing else is going to change. Now, sometimes that's difficult, because not everybody plays by the same set of rules. So we can't control other people. So we've got to make sure that we, you and I, that we, we must uh, make sure that we are operating at the level of God's word and not the actions and responses of other people. I'm going to let everybody at home stop for a second Take a sip of coffee, and I'm going to read that to you one more time. And let that dial in, because if we're honest, if we're 100% honest, okay, it takes two to tango, it takes two to fight, 
And you can deal with a difficult person and navigate through it without being sucked into the drama or the conflict. We must operate at the level of God's word and not the actions and responses of others. <sighs> that is not fun to hear. That is not fun to hear. I can only be responsible for myself. You can only be responsible for you. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just control everybody and get them to do everything we wanted them to do? At least in situations where people were being stubborn and not lining up with the Bible as a pastor, sometimes I think that would be awesome. You know, but God gave us this thing called free will so that we can choose our own actions and our own behaviors. We've got to make sure that we are operating biblically the way that we're supposed to in dealing with other people, even if they don't. Listen, that's the dividing line between a mature person and an immature person. It's the dividing line between a spiritually mature person and a spiritually immature person. Because a spiritually mature person will see selfishness in play and see the, the spiritual principle behind it and make sure that they fly over the conflict instead of lowering their standards to butt heads with somebody who's out of sync with the word of God. You know what happens when you wrestle with a pig? You get dirty. And you smell like a pig. This is what I've learned, okay? And I'm not always the best at doing this, but I'm, I'm trying to get to the place where I can do this more often than not. But when I see selfishness in my mind's eye, I see a pig. And I know that if I start wrestling with that pig, I know it's probably crazy looking at your mom and thinking a pig or looking at your cousin and thinking there's a pig or looking at your husband or your wife when, or that, that person, that special person that's being selfish at that moment. Look at them and think, pig. Okay, if I, if I wrestle with that pig, I'm going to get dirty. I'm going to get muddy and I'm going to smell like a pig. So don't get in the pen with the pig. Operate above it. Operate above it. You don't have to respond to every button that somebody pushes. You don't have to respond. Now, I know there are some times in family dynamics where you've got to have difficult conversations. And you have to address behavior. And we're going to cover some things that are going to help us during those times, okay? But there's this Bible verse that I want to share with you that's, oh, man, I, I love it and I hate it. Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Whoo! Man, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, because you can't control what everybody else is going to do, but you can control how you respond to what they do. And what they say. You can choose to keep scrolling on Facebook even if you see someone post something stupid. You don't have to drop to their level and start a mudslinging contest on social media just because you couldn't resist the opportunity to throw your 50 cent opinion on top of somebody else's 50 cent opinion. Nobody wants to see you guys fight over your 50 cent opinion. Stop it. It's silly. As far as it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone, with everyone. Now, there are going to be people that are just going to rub you the wrong way. You know what I do with people that rub me the wrong way? 
I love them from a distance. I love them. If you annoy the snot out of me, I'm going to love you. I will serve you. I'll, I'll represent the heart of God in my interaction with you. But I'm not going to have you over at my house probably all the time, you know, to hang out because you're just going to be rubbing me the wrong way. Uh, I can choose to put some distance in there so that there can be peace in the situation. Okay? You, don't have to, you don't have to take that filter off and just go into the pre-programmed default mode of wanting to fight with family all the time. You don't have to do that. And I think in family situations, we let that filter off way more than we should. Because we're there with those people all the time. We see them at holidays. And listen, the word of God is still the word of God. doesn't matter where you are or who you are around. Biblical principles apply to every area of life. The biblical pr- uh, truth doesn't change just because you're around your family. We are responsible individually. Whew. See, I expected people to be jumping and shaking hankies and running around. Uh, I, I expected... Yes, pastor, that is amazing. Yes, I am responsible for my own responses to other people. I'm responsible for how I choose to live in peace with other people. It's on me. It's my decision on whether or not I engage in fights with other people. It's on me how I approach other people and whether or not I'm doing it out of emotion or doing it out of love. It's on me. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's on me. Holy junk, it's on us. It's on us. They do what they do, but we're accountable to God for what we do. If it's possible. If it's possible. Because sometimes it's not. Sometimes you got to have difficult conversations. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that you roll over and you just show your belly like a whoop dog to everybody. Okay, God has not called any of us to be doormats. God hasn't called any of us to be easily pushed over. Look, stand on the truth of the word of God, but you can live with peace and live in peace with other people and still have a backbone. Okay, you can handle things the biblically correct way, still get your point across and have peace here, even through a difficult situation or a difficult conversation. This is grown up stuff right here. Okay, I could have came out this morning and talked about how much God wants to bless us. But this is where the rubber meets the road in family a lot of times. And he does want to bless you. But you know what? He's incredibly concerned about whether or not you have peace in the home. And most of that is our choice and how we respond to people. We control our own peace, not somebody else. So here's some stuff that I want to give you. Just some practical wisdom. If you find yourself in a situation where you've got to address selfish behavior in somebody else, okay? Because it's going to happen, all right? I know sooner or later, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. I love my wife. We get along like peanut butter and jelly. I'm talking like marshmallows and chocolate and a s'mores. We get along great. We get along great. I'm real hungry. I don't know if you could tell. Now we're going to food. We get along great, but I know this. We are two individual people with two individual ways of doing things. And we have personal and individual ideas. And sooner or later, those ideas are not going to line up or match. And we're going to have the potential for a disagreement and some conflict in our home. And what we do in that moment 
going to decide whether or not it's an easy discussion or all-out nuclear war. I like easy discussions better than I like all-out nuclear war, personally. You know, so in dealing with your parents sometimes, if they're asking you to do stuff you don't want to do, or parents dealing with your kids if you're trying to get them to do stuff, and they're, this is some things that will help you along the way. Okay, number one, number one, approach them in a motive of love. Make sure that you're approaching them in a motive of love. Duh, Pastor Josh. Okay, well, if it's duh, Pastor Josh, I knew that, then why aren't we applying it to our life? Don't tell me how much you know. Show me the Bible, and how you live your life. I'm not here to give you information. I'm here to hold you accountable to the truth of the Word of God. So don't roll your eyes at me and say, yeah, I already knew that, when you're yelling and fighting and being selfish in the relationships that you have, and you're approaching people out of vengeance and emotional responses instead of checking yourself and making sure that you're approaching one another out of biblical love first. Okay? So... Approach them in a motive of love. What does the Bible say about love? Whew, this just keeps getting better and better and better. I love this. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy, doesn't boast. What, what, what is that? It, love keeps no record of wrongs. If you applied that to a confrontation with somebody, Man, let's not forget about, let's forget about the last five years and let's just deal with today. I'm not going to keep record of the wrongs of the past. We're going to deal with what we're talking about today. Love is patient. Wow. Love is kind. Keeps no record of wrong. This is amazing to me. If we approach each other in biblical love first, listen, it's not that it does anything magical to the situation or the conflict because the problem is still going to be the problem. But it's going to do something to your heart and it's going to help you to check your emotions before you get into that conversation with that person. Why is that important? Because they might not respond in the best way possible. I don't know what your experience has been with other people, but sometimes people just don't respond in the best way. And you need to make sure that your heart is prepared and that you're operating out of love when you approach them so that you've got a safeguard around yourself so you don't take the bait of the enemy and take something that should be at a level one conversation and see it explode into a level 10 conflict. Okay, It's incredibly important that we approach one another in a motive of love. Now, if that means you've got to take 10 or 15 minutes and remove yourself from the situation and pray and get in the presence of God and calm yourself down, then separate yourself from the situation and pray and calm yourself down and check those emotions and make sure you're operating in love. The better way to do it, though, is just to operate in love, period. So that at any time when that stuff pops up, you're ready for it, okay? That's called the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. So if you're in a strong relationship with God, that's already going to be there in you to help you deal with other people. Here's the second thing. Uh, address the issue. Don't criticize them. I'm giving you good wisdom this morning. I'm giving you incredibly good wisdom. How many times... How many times have you been in a tense discussion with somebody and you went one step too far 
and you stopped addressing the issue and you began criticizing them as a person and they felt the need to defend themselves and then it was done. Address the issue. Okay? If I walk in to my kids, room's messy, I say, why did you leave out your toys? That's the issue. Left out the toys. They didn't put them up. We don't leave our toys out. We pick our toys up. Can I get an amen from the parents out there this morning? You pick your toys up and you put them away. Pick your toys up and you put them away. That's what you do. Pick them up and put them away. That's the issue. Now, what I don't want to do is take the extra step and say, wow, you are always doing this. What is the problem with you? You never listen to me. You're always doing Now I've taken it off the issue and I'm making it about them. Now I'm criticizing the person. Here comes hurt. Here comes offense. Here comes the need to want to defend yourselves, and you're in, a, you're, in, you're in a serious fight where there didn't have to be one. Okay, Address the issue. Don't criticize them. Husbands and wives, listen to me. People that are engaged, people that are in dating right now, listen to me. Address the issue. Don't criticize the person. Address the issue, and then move on. It's no big deal. Number three, this one is big. Listen to them explain. Listen to them explain. Once you've addressed the issue and you've got it out in the open, listen to their explanation because there's always how many sides to a story? Two? Somebody said seven. Sometimes there are. Sometimes there's three. Usually there's three. There's his story, there's her story, and then there's the truth which is a little bit of all of it, I think. Um, you got to listen. Listen. It's incredibly important to let people talk and explain why they did what maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're flat worn out because they haven't had a day off in three weeks and they're just exhausted. You know, Maybe their blood sugar's off. Maybe they're dealing with depression and they're on a low right now instead of a high. You know, Let them explain. Listen to them. Most people don't listen. Most people, most people just, they stay quiet while mentally they're reloading. You know what I mean? I'm not saying anything right now. I'm getting ready to say what I'm going to say next. Okay, see, that's jacked up. That's an emotional response to a situation. That's about making you feel good, not about solving the issue. I got, I've learned over time that if I'm in a heated discussion with somebody and something pops up right here that I really, really, really want to say in the moment, it's usually good that I don't say what I really, really want to say. You know, if it's going to make you feel really good to say it, don't say it. Because once you say it, you can't take it back, Jack. And now you got to, you have to deal with a whole other level of mess that you just created. Oh, yeah? Well, bleh. listen to them explain. And really listen to them. Am I telling the truth this morning or am I telling the truth? How many times, how many times has the discussion turned into a full-blown conflict? Men, because you didn't listen to your wife explain why she did what she was doing. I'll let y'all think about that for a second. I don't know. I wasn't listening. Listen to your wife. Listen to the people. All right? Listen. Because they'll feel like they're able to contribute and they'll get Whatever is on their heart, off their heart. You'll have smooth sailing after that, usually. Uh, and here's the big one. Number four, forgive them regardless of their response and move on. 
forgive them regardless of their response, and move on. You can't control their response, but you can control how you respond to what they do. Okay, So forgive them whether they ask for forgiveness or not. Uh, see, that would have been a great time to say amen right there. I, whether they ask for forgiveness or not, you are required by Scripture to forgive them. Now, I know it might take a little bit to pray through it and get to the point where you can, but you need to get that process going. Okay, Forgive them and move on. Forgive them for the stuff that they said. Forgive them for the stuff that they did, even if it's the 10,000th time. Forgive them. Make sure this thing right here is protected. All right? Now, there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. Big difference. I can forgive somebody, but if you're in a family situation where you, like if you're married to someone who's abusive, physically or verbally to you, maybe it's time to look at getting out of that relationship and you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean that that, rest, that, that relationship necessarily needs to be restored. Okay? Until they display change, you can put relationships on pause for a season and give people room and space to change while you're operating in forgiveness. Does it make sense? So, but you still got to forgive them because here's the game the devil plays. I'm going to tie all these strings together now. Here's the game the devil plays. The devil wants to destroy your family. The devil wants to destroy your relationships. His message and his mission is to steal, kill, and to destroy every time. That's what he wants to do. That's his mission. So what he does is he uses more often than not conflict as the inroad into the family to destroy the family. Because we respond emotionally and we respond in an immature way and we do not apply the word of God. We say what we want instead of operating in love and we get down and we get dirty with a pig instead of taking the high road and operating above it. I know sometimes that's easier said than done. That's why I'm not up here saying, hey, I got that all together because I don't. But I will say this, I'm a lot better now than I used to be because it's very important to me that I practice the word of God and I'm not dominated by my emotions. And I know what the devil does. He wants to destroy your friendships because of a disagreement. It starts at a disagreement and then it grows to a conflict. And at the level of conflict... That's where feelings get hurt. And when feelings get hurt, wounds develop in our heart. And when you're walking around with a wounded heart, it makes you more sensitive now to be offended by others. You can much more easily become offended once you're offended. If I do this to my arm right here, I'm just barely tapping it with my finger. That doesn't hurt at all. If I let Russell take a baseball bat, and crack me over the arm, that's going to hurt. And it's going to leave a huge bruise on my forearm because he's hurt me and he's injured me. And if I go back a day later and I just barely tap that bruise, I guarantee you I'm going to feel something different this time than I did before because I'm already hurt, because it's already sensitive. And this is the way that works with our hearts. When we walk around with damaged hearts, bruised up by life and other people, the smallest little thing will set us off. Have you ever been around somebody who was like, 
you, you had to walk on eggshells just to be around them because anything you did would just set them off and they'd just go to 11 with their anger just over nothing. You know, why do you always... I don't know. I just I forgot to put the orange juice back in the fridge. Why are you yelling at me? You know, just little things on sensitive hearts become big things. And the devil wants to keep you beat up and hurt so he can keep you in offense so that he can make you ineffective and unproductive in the kingdom of God. He wants hurt and division in your family because he wants to destroy your family. Listen, students, he wants you to hate your parents. He wants to rob you of that relationship that you could have with your parents. It's one of the best relationships you could ever have, but he wants you sideways and angry with them because of conflict. He wants to divide. Husbands and wives, he wants to destroy the marriage over small issues that become bigger issues that create hurt, that create years and years and years of conflict. And finally, you get frustrated and you say enough because he's worked his little web that he does so well over the issues. He wants, he wants people in church mad at their pastors, mad at leadership over little offenses that could have been resolved incredibly easily. He, he, this is how he works. He'll exploit the conflict and get us to respond in a way that's not biblical so that it blows up, so that we live lives that are caught up in a selfish vacuum, wrapped up in sin, always at odds with everyone, every productive relationship in our life destroyed on an island by ourselves so that he can take the final blow and absolutely murder us spiritually. This is what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to destroy your families because if he destroys the family, he can damage the church. And if he can damage the church, then he can take a whole lot more people to hell with him. See how that works? Don't forget Matthew chapter 6. Verse 14, it says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I think sometimes we forget about the tail end of this verse. It says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, there's a whole lot more at stake than us just proving ourselves right in an argument. It's an evil game that the devil plays, and if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a bad spot spiritually. We'll be so consumed with unforgiveness and hurt. And it seems like family tends to be one of the more sensitive areas where that happens. Relationships with other people are fine, but when it comes to family, how many people do you know that are still upset with a brother or a sister, an aunt or an uncle, a mother or a father because of something that happened years ago? we got to forgive, okay? If it's possible, as long as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't happen without forgiveness. I want you to listen to me. I, don't want you, I know day's playing, and we know the service is almost over, and we're all fixing to dial out here. Listen to me. It is the height of arrogance 
to deny somebody the forgiveness that we expect to receive from God. We got to forgive people. Amen? Got to forgive people, especially in family. Gave you some good truth today. Good truth's one thing. We got to put it into practice. Let me pray over you. Let me pray over you at home before we dismiss today.